It's been a while since I got on the on the mic and I belted that. <laughs> Shout out to Kendall Higa. He asked for it. Thank you. Yeah, special request. Uh, but it was necessary. It was long overdue. We are advancing out of the round of 16. Zach, uh, we're, the kings of, we're the kings of Europe right now. Still the kings of Europe. And, and dare I say, we are still... The Super Cup champion, uh, the Club World Cup champions, and Super Cup champions. So champions and of believe, Europe and the world. Okay. I believe Tommy T has only lost two European ties in his entire reign as Chelsea manager thus far. Oh yeah, pretty pretty decent. Yeah, considering um, considering the difficulty of fixtures that he's had to face, because let's not forget he didn't see a lot of the group stage of last season. So. True. Good on him. You want to run through the the classic intro, Zach? Sorry, I do. I messed it up. I messed it up. I do. My, my singing. I mean, my beautiful voice. Well, it's good. I'm glad you mentioned it, Sam, because this might be one of the very last times. I know I've been saying it the last few pods, but we are officially uh, taking taking uh, name suggestions. So, for those of you that don't know, we are the Romans Empire podcast for now, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And before you jump on us and cancel us, uh, the Romans Empire refers to the work that Roman has done as the owner of Chelsea Football Club, and that's it. Nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. So back yeah, off, we everybody. Had to, yeah, we had to clarify that point because <laughs> people were unsure what part of Roman Abramovich we admire most. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's like, it's hard for me to give up on the name just because that's what we were from the beginning. But yeah, it's looking like <laughs> we have no other choice, honestly. Uh, but let's jump into, uh, We'll get more into the whole Roma Abramovich saga in a little bit. Uh, let's let's keep our focus on this Champions League win. Um, you know, some positivity in our fanhood. Chelsea win two one against Lille four one on aggregate. Uh, in our starting eleven, we started with a three five two formation. Mendy in goal. Andreas Christensen, Thiago Silva, and Rudiger as our center backs. Then as our wing backs, we had David Alonso, a midfield three of Jorginho, Kovacic, and Golo Kante. And front two, we had Kai Havertz, who has been blossoming into a beautiful, beautiful specimen. And none other than Captain America, the goal scorer, the legend, um, We'll start off with a comment from Ronnie Ashworth. This one that comes from Twitter at CFC underscore Ronnie. He said, I had a feeling this could be a memorable, memorable season. Little did I know. They keep putting up obstacles and we keep coming through. Would love love us to go all the way and win it just to piss everyone off. That would piss everyone off, huh, Zach? 
it would piss everyone off because everybody seems to be against us right now for whatever reason. Even I saw we're I, champions I mean, of the world and Europe, world the world and Europe are against us, even though we are the champions. That's I feel like up. they were going to be against us anyways, just because we are the best team in Europe based on the trophies that we've won in the last year. But anyways, I mean, I, I'm even seeing internet articles that don't even include the name Chelsea in the headline. It'll just say like Roman Abramovich's, you know, English club or London club. Like, excuse me, uh, football club. <laughs> we have over a hundred years of history that you just can't decide to not include when it's convenient, so you can get your clicks. But that's that's a that's a podcast for another day. So let's uh talk a little bit about this match. It was a definitely a forgettable start. Um, you know, like the tempo was very slow as far as our passing. Um, the midfield got caught in possession. A, a bunch especially Georgina who I'm assuming last week uh, or last episode you guys did a little bit of apologizing to Jorginho because of that pass uh do you kind of mm-hmm. take it back now after today's match I mean it wasn't good again um it the performances he's putting together now aren't reassuring me like the ones that he put together last season and maybe it's because of the amount of mileage that we've had to force him to play and run. You know, there was that stretch of time during COVID where we had players missing. Conte and Kovacic were both out, and Jorginho was basically playing 90 minutes three times a week for the better part of a month. So maybe it's catching up to him a bit. But for me, I mean, it's hard to say because we won the game, but the performance as a whole wasn't – it didn't wow me, for lack of a better word. But it wasn't terrible, to be fair to him. It wasn't as bad as everyone was making it out to be. I mean, if you really want to dig deep some and look at the stats, I think Jorginho only lost the ball. He got dispossessed seven times, and he only misplaced three passes. So a lot of the times when he was losing the ball, it wasn't because he was misplacing his passes. It was because he was too slow on the ball. Takes three, four, five touches. Then he gets bumped off of it, and that's probably where the seven dispossessions come in. But you compare that number, at least, the amount of times he was dispossessed to the rest of the team, and he's actually not half bad when you compare him to the rest of the midfielders and the attackers. So all in all, it wasn't the worst game from him. But again, it, it, he didn't set the world alight. Yeah, and you failed to mention the fact that uh, he forgot that he can't use his hand um, in football. <laughs> so uh, there's that one one mistake. Minor. Yeah, well, let's talk about that midfield three. And we got a Twitter question from Prosh underscore CFC. Prashant, uh, he asked, why do you guys think we struggle to control the game even after starting a midfield three? I mean, this was an interesting one. This actually, this topic popped off in our Discord. Um, But, I mean, from what I saw, Sam, it looked like we struggled with the high press, um, both defending it and actually doing it to Lille. Um, You know, the pressure they put us under obviously, you know, lost us the ball a few times. Um, they were specifically targeting Alonso and Jorginho when they were on the ball. They were making sure that they closed down extra hard on those guys because generally those aren't guys that play the ball quickly. But, um, you know, in terms of our high press and us winning the ball back when Leo would transition and win the ball, um, we didn't have that extra body in the attacking third, and I thought that kind of hurt us. Kai and Pulisic were playing very centrally. If you look at their heat maps, 
Kai was actually playing more off of the left of Pulisic, and Pulisic was the one staying more central out of the two, believe it or not. Um, but again, that just didn't allow the energy of Mason Mount or uh, Hakeem Ziyech or even a Timo Werner, who's you know pretty energetic on the press, to close down um, you know on their center backs and on their full backs. Instead, they always had an extra man in defense who was free, and they were always able to pick out that pass. Now, the, the midfield three wasn't covering no spaces that the third attacker would normally cover. And I noticed the fullbacks and Dave and Alonzo, or the wingbacks rather, they were pressing really high to the point where our back our back five would essentially be shifted into like a back four. And then it looked almost like a 4-4-2. Four, four, um, and that kind, of, that kind of worried me because I'm thinking to myself, you know, we don't have a lot of wingbacks that are on the bench. So... If we're going to stick with this formation to stay, quote-unquote, defensively solid, does it really make sense to make a 33-year-old Dave and a 30-year-old, 31-year-old Marcus Alonso run up and down the wings for 90 minutes in a European away tie? Just didn't sound like the greatest idea. Um, but once we did switch back to that 3-4-3, our defending was still somewhat shaky. Granted, we had tired legs. We did it in the second half. But I think having Mount in there was was crucial because his pressing's so intelligent. He doesn't waste his energy. Um, you know, rather he he uses it in a way where every single run matters. If he's not putting pressure on the opponent, you know, he's forcing him to uh, to make a decision a lot quicker, or make a make a bad decision, or take a bad touch or a heavy touch. And we started to win the ball a little bit more that way. But still, it, I mean, all in all, Sam, it just it wasn't great as a whole. But again, I think the more important thing here is 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 the team spirit, the manner in which we won the game, you know, the surrounding circumstances around our club. There seems to be a dark cloud over us, and it's not even affecting our results. And I think there's a good po- time to mention, too, it's not even affecting the women's results either. Both teams are 3-0 and since the sanctions started. So <laughs> Chelsea, go. this just further – it goes to further prove that Chelsea thrives, thrive in chaos. And, you know, I mean, obviously, we're just so lucky to have great managers, both Thomas Tuchel and Emma Hayes. What, they, what both of them have done during this time is just ridiculous. But anyways, I'm kind of yeah. ranting here, Song. Yeah, I mean, uh, going back to what you were talking about and the adjustments that Tuchel made uh, throughout yeah. the match, there was a quote after the match. He says something along the lines of, like, the first 20, 25 minutes were my fault. Like, what yeah. did you – something something along those lines. What – what do you think specifically he was talking about then? I think he was talking about the shape, going for a 3-5-2 instead of a 3-4-3. Three, three. And I'm going to raise my hand first here because I I responded first in the group chat and said, yo, I actually really like the idea of going into this with a 3-5-2, have Kai and Pulisic play off of each other. We have our three best center midfielders on the pitch at the same time. We're going to have all this energy. We're going to control the pace of the game. We're going to win every ball in the middle. And that just didn't happen. I mean, I, I, I took a screenshot of the first half stats, and it pretty much tells you exactly what Tuchel was talking about and why he's taking responsibility. Besides having more possession and completing more passes than them, they had more shots. Um, they had more corners. They had more big chances. And, uh, and and their shots that they had, I mean, they outshot us inside and outside of the box, and not even that some. Um, and I know it's not listed here on, on in the script, but they won more tackles than us, and that was crucial. Yeah. Um, so it was just the overall shape of the team sort of hindered our ability to press, which is 
let's not forget in the beginning of the season when we had Reese and Chilwell, that's what made us so amazing is that our pressing would just suffocate the hell out of teams and they would really only be able to last the first 20, 25 minutes. And if teams didn't get through that, you know, period of time against us, they were doomed. And, uh, and we just really didn't give it to Leo um, in that way in the first half, but you know, we got the important goal. And I think, that kind of overshadowed the poor performance as a whole. I, th- I think that's not really that important, to be completely honest. You you mentioned that striker pairing, Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic, if you want to call it a striker pairing. We'll just call it a pairing. And, yeah. and uh, you know, that pairing responsible for the first goal uh, right at the end of the first half. A very crucial timing. Because if that doesn't go in, second half is way different. It is way different. Um, but you know he's he's been scoring like on on another level in these Champions League matches. He scored in the same amount of Champions League goals now in his career as Eden Hazard. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is really sad, <laughs> but, but also very. Very cool. That tells you um, everything about our Champions League success with Eden Hazard in the team. Damn. I mean, it, it wasn't his fault. That, that's, no. that's not a knock on him. It wasn't no way, shape, or form. But Yeah, and Pulisic scored in both legs, actually, against Lille. And he mm-hmm. has three goal contributions and five Champions League appearances now. Um, and he's been on a little bit of a hot streak, Zach. When you start the man, he performs. I mean, it's just... It's it's that simple. Andres has Andres has been banging that drum for the longest time, yeah. and and it's kind of true. I think he's one of those guys where you, as a manager, if you're managing him, you have to look at him and say, okay, how much momentum does this kid have, and how long am I going to be able to ride it out? And then during that time frame, you just got to keep starting him until he basically plays himself out of form. Similar to the Kai situation, honestly. Yeah, we got a Twitter question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He wrote in and asked, Captain America scored in the Champions League again. Can we all agree he is a big game player? Him and Kai Havertz, big game players. Big game players. Huge. I mean, remember what he did in the FA Cup? He, He was tearing Arsenal to shreds before he popped his hammy. He was on for a flyer in that game, too. Almost scored in a Champions League final. Probably should have scored. Um, but Never I mean, forget the Man City goal. Sliding on the oh, knees. Let's fucking go! <laughs> that was probably my favorite goal of his in general, just because of the, like, the run itself was so... I mean, we just talked about Hazard, and that was a Hazard-esque run. Pick the ball up, quick drop of the shoulder, throw the defender the other way, beat him with pace. And the I celebration. Mean, and the celebration, yeah. I, I think his game's coming together, Salman. We're all kind of guilty of uh, of kind of doubting him at some point in terms of does he have a future at Chelsea, not necessarily in terms of his actual ability, but, I mean, under Tuchel, it, it, it's, it's really seemed to click now. And I think Tuchel looks at him and says, yep, you're probably my best option coming off of the left in a full-strength squad. And just like he did with Kai Havertz, I mean, I think Lukaku's been benched for six of the last seven potential games that he could have started. Um, So I I think it's this point of the season now where Tuchel sort of made his mind up about these guys and he has his 
group of players, not necessarily a, a, a dead set 11, but a core group of guys that where he can look to for those big performances. And I think Pulisic's added his name to that list. I mean, coming into this season, you would you ever think that Pulisic would be picked ahead of Lukaku for he was a nowhere big near match it. like this? He was nowhere near it. And that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's, a, that's what I was talking about. It was kind of scary. Like, we were all wondering if he's going to be at Chelsea much longer, even beyond this summer. Yeah. If he keeps, you know, picking up these injuries and just not getting game time and not, you know, being a, more of a rotational player, playing fucking wingback even. But, have, um, we, have you guys discussed like our inability to sell Lukaku possibly this summer, <laughs> <laughs> and how how much of a burn that would be if he had to spend another year on this team, like just coming off the bench, all grumpy and stuff. I mean, worst comes to worst, he has a big frame. We could always use him as like Stanford Bridge security. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be able to afford his wages though. We couldn't. We'll we give wouldn't him be able to afford anyone's wages. We'll give him a wig and we'll tell him to, you know, grow out his facial hair a little bit so he can stay a little bit more discreet. <laughs> no one will recognize him at all. <laughs> um, can we quickly also, because I missed last episode and I, I, I missed the whole Kai Havertz conversation. I'm sure you guys had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and adding another assist today. I'm so happy with what I've been seeing with him, Zach. An assist? He didn't assist today. He, he assisted pool six goal. No, Jorginho. Really? Yeah, outside of the foot. No. Wow, I was yeah. wrong then, huh? Okay. Well, yeah. um, it doesn't matter. He looked good. He You've been busy good. being a lawyer. It's okay. Yeah, I honestly have the photo. <laughs> I leave for a bachelor party tomorrow. So I'm going to be gone all weekend. So I had to get everything done in the past three days. Uh, so, yeah, long day. But can you just say something nice about Kai Havertz pretty much? That's what I want. Yeah, no. I mean, in those first 20 minutes, well, we looked uh, very much up against it. I thought Kai was one of the only players that looked like he could be an, an outlet or a sort of safe haven for the ball to go to. I, I, he received the ball twice within the first 10 minutes and picked up fouls. You know, that allows our team to do the obvious, push up the pitch, slow the game down, play it back to Thiago Silva, Thiago Silva to Jorginho, Jorginho to the wing back, wing back, back to the Jorginho, and then the whole cycle continues all over again. So I thought I thought that's what Kai was good for in the first 20 or so minutes because he really wasn't getting much service. But again, even when he's not getting service, you compare him to Lukaku and he's still providing something. He's still giving you that outlet to play the ball to. He's still dropping into the midfield. He's occupying center backs. He's getting kicked in the ankles left, right, and center, picking up fouls, allowing us to win possession back to slow the game down. I mean, for anybody that's played the game, they know. You know, when the other team has possession, if your striker has the ability to hold up the ball and draw a foul or draw contact and just slow the game down, that is priceless to have. Um, especially if you already have it in your game at Kai's age. So that was something I saw from him today because, granted, he didn't really get that many sniffs at goal. Um, the service was whatever. I think we scored our only two shots on target all match, which is the most un- un-Chelsea-like statistic I've ever heard. I think I think that might have been, you know, uh, I think he would have had the result in mind knowing that we didn't really have to go for the jugular because we were three goals up or two goals up and going into this match at least. So. All in all, though, 
he's head and shoulders above Lukaku. I mean, I'm, I, I forget Lukaku's even a member of our team at this point until he gets subbed on in the 80th minute. No. Uh, let's quickly talk on Thomas Tuchel. Uh, he spoke after the match. Uh, he said, once you work for Chelsea, you work at the limit every day. We stick together and try to overcome the situation together. I'm very proud, very happy. All that chatter about United. Oh my God, get that out of my face. Fucking. You just saw what happened to them yesterday? And we're advancing? Come on, get get out of here. Yeah, now their fans miss Mourinho. Oh my God. Mourinho was the last manager to win a trophy at United and he won three. (laughs) Speaking of Mourinho, we got a Twitter question from another one from Ron. Is Tuchel our greatest ever manager? 110%. I said it a few weeks ago on the pod, and I got a little pushback. And I wish Andres was here, because I'd call him out on it too. But he was the one that pushed back on me. and I'm sure he'd still push back today. I think it's dead set. And, and Sam, it's not because of just the performances. I mean, we've had managers come in with colorful personalities and endless amounts of quotes and just laughter and banter like Mourinho was just fucking hilarious I watched every interview that man had with Chelsea Antonio Conte just the most intense interviewer then you you know you get Frank Lampard who you know started out being pretty sincere and then all of a sudden we're starting to read in between the lines and but with Tuchel it's his interviews are straightforward he's honest he gives his real opinion on things and so I'm during this whole fucking three, four weeks of just absolute chaos and not knowing what the state of the club is, Tuchel has n- probably knows as much information as we do at this point, and that's at least what it seems like when he's being interviewed. But his responses and his rally cries and his insistence to focus on the team and his insistence to stay focused on the task at hand in the next match and on you know the Champions League and holding our spot in the Premier League and... You know, he's picking, he's not really analyzing the full performances like we used to see him. Instead, he's looking at it now and saying, I'm so proud of the attitude these guys have. I'm so happy to come into work every day and just bust my ass because that's what these guys are giving me, you know. And 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 I think that alone makes him head and shoulders above everyone else that's been at Chelsea. Just the way he's been able to sort of wade his way through the waters in the last three or four weeks. I mean, Sam, let me ask you, how do you think... I mean, I'm I'm sure Mourinho would have handled the situation bluntly, to say the least, right? Oh, yeah. I think no Tuchel's the type of guy that gives you a little bit more insight as to what he's actually thinking. I saw a quote from Mourinho about, about the Ukraine, and he said, stop the war, no war ever, or something like that. <laughs> and that's something I could see yeah. Jose saying in a presser and then saying, all right, from now on, don't bring up the fucking war to me ever again. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. But instead, Tuchel sits there and he welcomes the questions. And he occasionally snaps on reporters when he needs to. And then he goes back and always, always, always finishes whatever he's saying with something positive. Whether it's I'll yeah. drive the seven seater or, you know, we'll go back to, you know, we'll go back home and and, and, and analyze the match and, and, and work towards the next one. Or I'm very proud of the team's performance today, despite, you know, conceding a penalty or this or that. Just overall, I, I haven't seen a manager with his attitude come in and just be such a breath of fresh fucking air. Not to mention, if you watched the video right before we recorded. This Ooh. guy comes out for an interview, uh, maybe like 
I don't know, way after the match was over. All the Leo fans were gone. Only the away fans were still there, the Chelsea fans. Tuchel comes out for an interview on the pitch, and the fans start singing his name, and he goes full clop on them. And fist no, pumps. No, 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 no. He went full Tuchel hugs, on them. Karate kicks, karate, judo chops. I saw everything. Tuchel... Tuchel's different from Klopp though, Sam, because Klopp is more of like a bear hugger, and Tuchel's more like a like a long piece of spaghetti. He's like a spaghetti noodle. <laughs> Those are your two alternatives: either you're a bear hugger or you're a loose piece of spaghetti. Well, well he very much like flails. You know, he flails yeah. his arms around. Yeah. I guess I guess those are those are both accurate. Um, yeah. I think you kind of convinced me, honestly. I think I might be on your side. Just based off of, like, especially, like, the past couple of weeks. I mean, that's what I'm basing that on. You know, if you look at just his performances and the amount of trophies he won, like, yeah, sure, Jose probably won more. You know, there's been other managers here that have come in and won more trophies and won leagues and this and that. Tuchel still has yet to do that. But, you know, I I just can't imagine any of our other past managers being able to, to navigate press conferences and just the overall attitude of the entire club i mean in a time where bruce buck marina i mean peter check has given maybe one interview you know it just has been radio silence from every from all the higher ups at chelsea and tuchel and emma hayes have been the only you know vocal spoke they've basically been the people put in front of the camera to speak on behalf of chelsea i mean let's just put it that way let's just be blunt about it it is what it is so for them, I mean, hats off to them. It's just been insane. I mean, they've been public enemy number one for three, four weeks, and they're still turning out results, and their teams are still somehow focused. And both of them look like they're not even ready to stop yet. They look like they can do this for all day long. So I'm just I'm just so proud of them. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the controversy that they're dealing with with yeah. the, these new sanctions. UEFA um, reached their verdict very shortly after uh, the European Union sanctioned Roman Abramovich, actually, um, coincidentally. But Chelsea will not be allowed to have fans uh, at their European matches um, away. That's home and away, right? They can't sell any tickets. Yeah, we can't sell. No tickets season are being tickets. allocated to Chelsea. But there will be season. the season ticket holders can still go? For the European for the European matches, oh. I don't think the season tickets included. No, you actually you you actually wrote that. I'm sorry. You said fans who have season tickets don't get to attend European games. So there's our answer. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah, Sam. because if they bought a ticket, it would be considered a new ticket, and there can't be any True. new ticket purchases. So we're cool in America. I mean, sorry, in, in England, but not in European. Um, UEFA's official statement. They stated uh, UEFA is fully committed to always implementing relevant EU and international sanctions. Our understanding is that the present case is assessed in the context of the license issued in the UK, which allows Chelsea FC to continue minimum football activity while providing a safeguard that no financial gain will result for Mr. Abramovich. Um, So that's their justification, whether you like it or not. It is what it is. That's what it is. So, um, you know, not not just that, but even for the Middlesbrough away um, FA Cup draw, 
Chelsea had to return the previously sold tickets bought from fans for that game as well. Uh, and, you know, they... They... This was a really kind of embarrassing moment, I think, for the club. Um, but after we were told we couldn't have away fans, uh, or we couldn't have fans of the away match, they... Uh, suggested to the FA and complained saying that Middlesbrough shouldn't have any fans there because uh, it threatened the quote sporting integrity um which is kind of sad I mean come on like we're us Chelsea fans are already taking enough shit as is um just for being fans of Chelsea like all of my non-Chelsea fans are just like literally if you go on Twitter it's just piling just jokes and everyone being like so happy that this is happening to us um and then when you do this as well like it just makes the situation worse you're giving them more ammo i guess only so much i can take <laughs> well well i i have tuchel's quote for his response to being asked about you know um playing behind closed doors with middlesbrough and he said let me put it like this we love to play football in front of spectators, and I don't think our opponents should suffer from the consequences. It was not the very best idea. Me and the team were not involved in the decision. And again, this is why I love Tuchel, because why would he say this if it's not true? <laughs> you know, like, it's clear that there's a disconnect between, you know, um, what he's being told and what's, you know, actually going on behind the scenes. It's... Uh, it, this was a very embarrassing moment. This was just sort of insult to injury. When I read it, I was like, I really hope Peter Cech had nothing to do with this. Because yeah. like, if anybody should understand the value of having fans at the match, even if they're not ours, it should be him. So, Yeah, well, let's talk about that match a little bit. The FA Cup quarterfinals. Uh, so uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about Middlesbrough. Right now, they are sitting, uh, what is it, one point below Luton in the championship. So if that's any indication of how we'll play against them, just uh, take the result against Luton and multiply it by 0.1. And that's what it'll, or 1.1, and that's what it'll look like. Yeah. Right? Yeah, is that fair? Sure. <laughs> I'm not good at math, man. Yeah, my math is probably wrong too, but I'm just estimating at this point. Uh, yeah. So what? So, do you have anything like that you wanted to add about Millsboro? Like, obviously, they've been the dragon slayers of this tournament. They knocked out Man United. They knocked out Arsenal. Wait, no, right? It was Man United and Arsenal. Yeah, no. I believe it was Arsenal. No, no, Arsenal. Arsenal lost. Uh, or was it? Um, was it? Was it Spurs? It was Spurs, yeah, because Arsenal lost to uh, Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Uh, but it was against, so they beat Tottenham I mean, they are, and they beat, yeah, United. They are the giant slayers. Um, look, put it this way. They beat United, they beat Spurs. Obviously, they're the, every year in the FA Cup, there's that one team that makes the run, and this is the team, right? We, we get the... Uh, the pleasure of facing them, you know, early on. So they're going to look at both of those matches and be on cloud nine about it. They're going to say, perfect. You know, we walked away. I, I believe they won on pens against United. 
and then they just beat Spurs 1-0 in extra time. They took Spurs 120 minutes and beat them. That's fucking hilarious. It didn't even go to Pens. No. Um, but they're going to look at those two matches and be really happy with their performances and probably replicate the same game plan and, you know, go for the smash-and-grab approach. Now, I mean, here's dude, the thing. Dude, like they're, they're, they're also going to be playing in a stadium full of... Of their own fans, 100% exactly. to, to, to ticket allocations, bro. That place is going to be popping. It's going to be all Middlesbrough fans. That's the key. There's not going to be one Chelsea chance on the entire night. It's Zero the, sporting on integrity. Top of that, on top of that, their owner said that bullshit about us. Um, excuse me, sir. I don't remember the last time any of our players were accused of doping or any of our uh, uh uh, managers Ooh. or staff was accused of fucking match fixing. Ooh. Or, like, come on. Are you kidding me? You're going to talk Damn. about sporting integrity? <laughs> like, yes, maybe some of it's, maybe there's some blood money, but the, the players have absolutely nothing to do with that. They're not jabbing themselves with needles, you dumb fuck. But anyway. Exactly. Um, We're the ones who made the sporting integrity comment, not them. <laughs> no. No, but, know, but, but he said sporting integrity and Chelsea can't be in the same sentence. Get the fuck out of here. I'm just kidding. Anyway. Um, Damn, that is a... <sighs> yeah, that was a piece of shit thing to say, isn't it? Especially, it's, like, uh, like a... way to kick us further down. That's what I'm saying, man. They have so much ammo. Well, well that's the Damn. thing. We're going to go in there, and, and it's probably going to be the most hostile environment we'll face. Um, Maybe all season. Yeah. Granted, it might might be this season because maybe next time we face a really you know hostile crowd, we might have a new owner and they won't have any or as much ammo. Um, we won't be enemies of the state; we'll be former enemies of the state. <laughs> yeah, just terrible. But I don't know, Sam. Look, I I think it's gonna be tough. I think it's gonna be ugly. There's gonna be some nasty challenges. There's gonna be whistles. There's gonna be things thrown at the players. I. I, I feel like it's going to be ugly in that way, but we said it earlier in the pod. Chelsea thrive on chaos, mm-hmm. and I think this is a, this match is no different. So I think we'll give them a taste of their own medicine. I look, I don't think it's a match where we'll play well. I think we'll show up and the pitch will be sh- dog shit. I think they'll yeah. purposely fuck it up for us. They'll not, you know, cut the grass or you know they'll leave it extra muddy or. You know they'll they'll put a fresh, brand new pitch on for us, but not treated enough in time to be ready to play on. Um, Classic, yeah. They'll pull some bullshit on us like that, but I I think it's going to be a one nil. I think it'll be tight. It's not going to be fun to watch. It, we're not going to be able to get into any sort of rhythm or play, um, but we always find a way. Yeah, I think we'll be doing the smash and grab, not them. We're in a position to smash and grab. <laughs> in this in this kind of uh, situation, honestly. Uh, yeah. But I think a 1-0 prediction is pretty spot on. I'm not expecting too much. Um, it's, it's like everything that you stated is really, it makes it a tough match. So, uh, and with injuries, I mean, like, didn't, didn't Andreas Christensen come off with an injury today? So... It's another center back. When does he not? So I mean, I Barcelona's yeah. Andreas Christensen gets that can't finish a ninety anymore, can he? No, Barcelona's Andreas Christensen. That's right. Yeah. Maybe that's Christensen. why he didn't finish a ninety. 
We still need a replacement, Zach. I know. I know. We'll find a replacement for Andres sooner or later. Um, I'm talking. I'm talking about Andres Velasco. <laughs> I wanted you to clarify. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but anyways, that does bring us to the end of uh, this week's episode, pretty much, right, Song? Yeah. Cool. Um, so if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you are at Roman's Empire Pod. Um, and also, guys. We've been putting out a lot of episodes lately, if you haven't noticed. So if you want to keep up to date on what's going on with Roman and the club and just the general state of Chelsea, we should be your uh, your place to go. So uh, make sure you make sure you're following us. Uh, we're available on all major platforms. Show your friends, show your family, show your grandma. Until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.